six people on the way to your seat tell them I'm glad you're in the house of the Lord tonight amen Woo! I feel victory in the house tonight I feel breakthrough in the house tonight I feel like somebody showed up with their shoelaces untied 
the buckle unbuckled and ready to go in any moment. I feel like somebody packed an extra pair of shoes in your bag tonight. song put a praise on it but we might have to change the lyrics to put a shoe on it Woo! you're walking in the blessing of the Lord this week amen you can be seated for just a couple of moments man y'all just stay nice and hot I feel that in the Holy Ghost we want to give a great big welcome tonight to all of our guests that are in the house of the Lord with us on Tuesday night. Can I borrow your voice in your hands, Rock Church, one more time? Come on, help me welcome all of our guests that are here. Help me welcome everybody streaming online tonight. Amen. So good to see Sister Felicia Whitmire in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. She's just at her second home. We're excited she's here tonight. And it's so good to see Sister Mandy Jones' mom and, and her parents, her mom and dad with us tonight. Would you help me give God a praise for them? No strangers. It's always exciting. I love it. They always get as close as they can to the front row when they come. Amen. They said, we got to get good seats in the house of the Lord. Amen. I know it's already been mentioned, but I want to say from the pulpit tonight, uh, and they're not here, but maybe they're watching online. A great big congratulations to Brother Matthew and Sister Camila Clark. If they're listening, let them hear you make some noise. We are excited about little Ava Jean Clark. And uh, excited to meet her. And uh, congratulations to them. Also... A great big congratulations to Brother Dalen and Sister Cassidy tonight who were just married on Sunday. This is their first church service as a married couple tonight. Oh, they're about to give the devil a black eye because the Bible says that two are better than one. And when you get married in the presence of God, a threefold cord is not easily broken. Man, so congratulations to them. We're excited about that. And uh, a couple of other quick things tonight. I don't have the dates in front of me. I apologize. Uh, but I think it's in the month of March at some point. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, we, brother and pastor and sister Buxton are going to be with us. Amen. And we're going to do something special on, on the Friday night that they're here. We are going to have a mini singles conference on that Friday night for all of our single young men and young ladies. And then Saturday evening, we are going to have a mini marriage seminar for all of our married couples in the house. And then Sunday is going to be Throw Down Family Revival. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be a great time in the Holy Ghost. And uh, we'll get those dates to you ASAP. 
And, uh, and then something else that I want us to be praying about. Uh, how many of you were absolutely blessed by the word of the Lord in this house on Sunday? You will remember that Pastor Adams talked to us about three main areas that characterize a breakthrough church, a great church. That is churches who break through in the area of their worship, their evangelism, and their finances. How many of you thank God for his blessings on this house? We are going to continue to focus and work on those areas of this church. And uh, one of the uh, things that I believe God is opening up to this house is financial blessing in a way that we have never, ever seen it before. I'm going to give all the rest of you about 10 more seconds to, to get on board and respond in faith. If you really understood what I was saying, what I'm telling you is he's going to bless you like you've never seen it before. Oh yeah, somebody brought their shoes with them. Hallelujah. Why, preacher? Because I'm blessed to be a blessing. And the Abrahamic promise is that through me, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. your neighbor neighbor if he can get it through you then he'll give it to you do you believe that tonight last year one of the things that we did as we responded to the call of God on this house and financial breakthrough is we launched something called all in how many of you thank God for what he did this past year with our all-in offerings? Last year, we pledged at the first part of the year, we, we started all-in at the beginning of February. We pledged around $160,000 is what we pledged. And 151000 came in to that pledge last year. How many of you believe we're taking it up another level this year? Come on, how many of you believe in God for even greater this year? And so here's, here's what we're going to be doing, and I want you to be praying over the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, I've literally been working on this even today, and I don't have the date solidified. Maybe later tonight or first thing tomorrow, I will. But we're going to do something a little bit different. I felt impressed by the Holy Ghost today uh, to call a particular man of God. Uh, some of you may remember Pastor Marty uh, Varnell, who was here a few years ago with us for a service. I felt impressed by God to give him a call concerning what I felt like God was doing. Uh, as the word came to us this weekend, I felt God just zero in on this aspect of where this church is headed this year. 
And so uh, in just a couple of weeks, maybe even shorter than that, Pastor Marty Varnell is going to be with us. And we are going to have what we are going to call Supernatural Sunday. Supernatural Sunday. What does that mean, Bishop? What I believe is happening in the year of blessing is there is going to be supernatural things connected to our giving. Amen. Just think about in Scripture, for example, when God led the prophet to the woman who had just the, the cruise of oil and the little bit of meal and, and the Bible says that when he led the prophet to her, he, God said, you tell her to give what she has. And when she gave it, there was a supernatural move of God. Not only was the kingdom of God supplied, the Bible says to the prophet, she is going to sustain thee. Not only was the kingdom of God sustained, but that woman's entire life was shifted by the financial blessing that came to her life through that flow. Come on. She was able to pay off all of her debt and use all of the overflow to bless her family. For I'm just telling you, There is something supernatural on this church right now. Think about the, the young boy with the two fishes and five loaves. He gave everything he had. And God not only supplied the needs of the kingdom, but he went back home with 12 baskets full. Somebody had to help him carry back. Come on, I got about half of y'all with me tonight. And so I believe God's going to do something absolutely mind-blowing. And I want you to already begin to pray and to fast about how the Lord is going to use you in this season. Uh, when he comes, it will be uh, a time for us to make some financial commitments to the kingdom of God. I'm going to take just a minute here. Is this all right tonight? Because there is great vision for this house. And we are not just a church that has great vision, but we are a church of mission. We're not just going to see it, we're going to do it. Amen. This church facility isn't big enough to house what the Lord is doing in this place. Come on, how many of you recognized on Sunday there was nowhere to sit on the floor? People up in the balcony. Furthermore, my Bible declares we're the head and we're not the tail. I believe God's about to give us dominion in real estate in this city. I just need two or three to agree with me tonight. I said I believe God is about to give us dominion in real estate in this city. Not just for this house by itself. I believe that we are about to begin launching daughter works from this house all across Lee County. Come on. And God's going to use us to facilitate the needs as we continue to take territory and dominion. 
It is not only happening here in the United States of America. You know that we have seven church churches now in the country of Haiti. Our, our mother church is running well over 200 people and growing leaps and bounds. There's a need for facilities and resources in the country of Haiti. God's going to do it through us. Come on. It takes resources. Last year we bought four buses. Four or five buses. I don't know. Thousands and thousands of dollars. We didn't buy no broke down junk. We bought nice buses. God's helping us fill them up. Guess what? Before the year's over, we're going to need more of them. Cost thousands of dollars just for insurance every month. How many of you have been praying about Africa? I, I was on the phone with him today. I believe it's working out for him uh, for the month of, in, in the month of March. Brother Jeffrey Wyaberry from Uganda, Africa is going to be with us. Since the last time that I talked about what God was doing there, he is now not just Jeffrey Wyaberry, he is King Jeffrey Wyaberry. He is an African king with an apostolic anointing upon him. I do not know the extent of everything God is doing, but I'm telling you, there is a great and effectual door opening to this church in the country of Africa. All this to say that there is something supernatural that is upon this house. I believe that there was a shift at the beginning of this year when, when we talked, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. When we talked last year about the year of the open door, we've crossed a threshold in this new year. And we are walking in a new paradigm of blessing. And those that get this revelation and begin to move in faith, you're about to see miracle after miracle after miracle continue to unfold over your household, over your family, over your... Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. So there is a, a, a level of intentionality that we must have as we approach this moment and this season. Nothing is insignificant in this season. And I want this church to be praying about it. I want you to be sensitive and open to what God is about to do. I don't know what it all is going to look like, but, but here in the next short little bit, Pastor Varnell is going to be with us. We are going to have Supernatural Sunday, which will launch this year's commitment uh, to God in our, in our giving above and beyond our, our tithe and offering. And I'm telling you, God, God is already, we're not even there yet. And God is already just opening things up all over this house. How many of you are going to be praying about that and asking God to use you? Asking God to anoint you for this season. Amen, somebody. And so we're excited about that. Grab your Bibles tonight. I want to go to the Word of the Lord quickly and uh, prayerfully. I won't be before you long. 
but I feel anointed to deliver a word to this house tonight. Amen. Amen. Now, I do not have a sermon to bring to you. I do not have a, a homiletic work that I have put together and with arduous scholastic uh, approach, but I promise you I have a word in my spirit for this house tonight. The book of First Kings chapter number uh, 19 is where I want to invite you to read the word of the Lord with me tonight. <laughs> First Kings chapter 19, and I want to begin reading at verse number 1. It says, and it came to pass when king, up. Oh, I'm in the wrong place, that's 2 Kings. Help me Jesus. First Kings chapter 19. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. She said, I'm about to kill you just like you killed them. And when he saw that, now I get intrigued by the text because it says when he saw that. I don't know what he saw because the Bible says that she sent a messenger to him, which the appropriate response would be when he heard that. But instead it says he saw that. I can only imagine that as he heard the words, he had something unfold in his imagination. He could see himself being murdered. When he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. And said, it is enough. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. He arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength 
of that meat. Forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And for a few moments tonight, I simply want to preach to somebody in the building. It's time to get your fight back. It's time to get your fight back. Who am I talking to in the building? Hey! I know you crawled in here tonight, but God is telling somebody in the building that it's time to get your fight. I wish somebody would put your hands together one more time. Shout of praise tonight. You may be seated. The opening statement of chapter 19 says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. The entire reason for her threat against him was because of the report of what he had done. Can I preach to you for a moment uh, that the only way you will ever avoid an attack of the enemy uh, in your life uh, is to do nothing for God. Because the moment you began to do something for God, it is going to cause the enemy to oppose you. I came to preach to somebody in the building tonight uh, that's been in a fight. Uh, have you ever considered uh, that maybe the reason you're in a fight uh, isn't because of what you're doing wrong, uh, but because of what you're doing uh, that's right? I feel my help in the building tonight. Uh, there's somebody in the building God sent me to just tell you, uh, keep on fighting. Uh, the enemy's opposing you, uh, not because what you've done wrong, uh, but because you're on the right track. Uh, and if you weren't creating such a headache uh, for the enemy, uh, he wouldn't be fighting you uh, like he's fighting you. Uh, he wouldn't be resisting you uh, the way that he's resisting you. Uh, the fact that you got a fight on your hands uh, ought to indicate to you uh, that you're on the right track. Uh, keep on walking. Uh, keep on swinging. Uh, keep on fighting. Uh, let the devil come at you. Uh, oh, if you'll keep on fighting, uh, my Bible tells me uh, you're going to reap uh, if you faint not. Uh, if you keep on fighting, uh, if you keep on swinging, uh, there's a victory that God uh, is about to bring to your life. When the report came to Jezebel about everything that Elijah had done, let's start there. Because if you back up into chapter 18, the Bible says that Elijah gets a boldness about him.
and he steps out and comes to King Ahab and he says King Ahab and he addresses all of the people and said I'm tired of everybody on one side and then the other he said if God be God then serve him and if Baal be God then serve him but it's time for some of y'all to quit riding the fence it's time for some of y'all to quit playing games he said I came and I mean business he brought a showdown to the prophets of Baal and he said I tell you what we're gonna do he said you get all of your prophets he said I'm the only one that's left to stand for this truth you go get all of those prophets and meet me on the mountain bring your altar and bring your sacrifice and we're going to see whose God is God there was a boldness brother Stewart about Elijah when they got on the mountain the Bible says he told the prophets of Baal you go first and so they cut up their sacrifice and they placed it on the altar and the Bible says that they began to pray from the morning all the way until noon and nothing was happening and so the Bible says that Elijah began to mock them this was his attitude he had so much swag he said hey maybe your God is on vacation it's there, read it when you get home. Maybe your God is busy and he can't hear your prayer. Hey, maybe your God is tied up doing something else. The Bible says they became so angry that they jumped up on the altar. They began to get desperate and they began, the Bible says, to prophesy. They begin to speak words of prophecy. And oh, Elijah's sitting there. And the more desperate they became, the Bible says they started cutting themselves until blood was splattering all over uh, the altar uh, and there wasn't a single sound uh, in the heavens uh, until finally when the sun began to set uh, Elijah said okay uh, time's up uh, your God's not answering uh, and so the Bible says uh, that he erects his own altar uh, and they cut up the sacrifice uh, and they dig a trench uh, around the altar uh, and he said bring me three barrels uh, of water uh, and pour the water uh, on the sacrifice. So they got the water uh, and poured it on the sacrifice. He said, do it again. They got three more barrels. Dumped it on the sacrifice. Do it again. Three more, 12 barrels of water. And some people would surmise he wanted everything to be wet so that it would be even harder for the fire to light. That's not why he did it. Can I just take a sidetrack here uh, you understand there was a drought happening uh, in the country uh, and the most precious commodity uh, in the land uh, 
was water. And so the idea of taking a barrel of water that was so precious and pouring it out, it was just crazy to them. But he understood that if you got something that you want to reap, you got to plant what you want to reap. Do you need a watermelon? Put a watermelon seed in the ground. You need a harvest of corn? Uh, get some corn and put it uh, in the ground. We need some water in this nation? Uh, go get me the seed. Uh, you can either drink it uh, or you can plant it. Uh, and he put, oh my God. Bible says the water filled up the trenches was running off the sacrifice. They had been praying all day long. He steps back and prays 63 words probably took less than 30 seconds to pray his prayer and all of a sudden fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice and it consumed the altar and it consumed the water and licked up everything on the ground and the prophets of Baal stood back and said oh my God Jehovah he's the true living God oh yeah about that time Elijah gets his chest up and said boys go get them don't you let one of those prophets escape and the bible said that they slew 450 all of them killed every one of the prophets of Baal in the face of Jezebel and Ahab that's a bad mamma jamma and then the Bible says he looked at Ahab and said, you know what? I smell the, the, the abundance of rain. I, I can hear the sound of the abundance of rain. He said, hurry up. Jump in your chariot. Don't let the rain stop you. And the Bible said he girded up himself and he outran the chariot all the way. The, some scholars say it was about 17 miles to the destination. But he outran the chariot. Can you imagine them telling Jezebel about all this? Jezebel, what? What happened? The fire came. I'm telling you, it was the craziest thing we ever saw. And then he killed her. He killed every one of them. There ain't a single one. Oh, my God. And then what happened? He outran a chariot. It said when they had told her all the things that he did, and then he gets on top of the mountain and the Bible says he tells his servant, go look and tell me if you see rain. He comes back. I don't see nothing. Bible said he put his head between his legs. You want to know what he was doing? He was praying. I know what God said to do. Go look again. He went and looked again. Still no rain. Go look again. You know what he did? He prayed until he prayed the rain down from the heavens. The anointing and the power of God was on Elijah to do the work of God. Oh, God backed up what he said. God backed up what he did. God had favor upon him. And so the word came to Jezebel. The Bible says that when she heard it, she said, you take 
a pen and paper. And I want you to send a message to Elijah. You tell him that the gods can do the same thing to me that he did to those prophets if I don't kill him by this time tomorrow. Messenger rolls up to Elijah. Says, Elijah, I got a message from Jezebel. Let's see what it says. Dear Elijah, yo, what it do? Why you do me like that? At least that's the way it would have went in my book. Listen, cuz. And she threatens him. And the same man that just did all that let something switch in his brain. The Bible says he grabs servant and he takes off running for his life and he runs all the way to the wilderness and he drops off his servant in Beersheba and the Bible says that he leaves him and he goes by himself a day's journey into the wilderness and he finds a juniper tree and he sits down under the juniper tree and he begins to say, it's enough. You know what he was saying? I can't take it anymore. What I want to know tonight, is there anybody in the building that's ever been there before? Seems like the greatest uh, victories uh, that you ever experience uh, are followed up uh, by some of the greatest uh, attacks uh, that you all oh, just mark it down. Uh, if it's never happened to you, uh, it'll happen to you. Uh, sometimes after the greatest uh, breakthrough uh, and the greatest uh, victory uh, will come the most daunting threats uh, of the enemy uh, to your life. And, and, and what's interesting to me is that this threat from her was just the straw that broke the camel's back. It wasn't the only straw on the camel's back because he had been leading himself despite the pressure. He had been putting his game face on despite the fear uh, and the trepidation. Uh, he had been pushing his way through uh, and God was honoring uh, everything that he uh, was doing. But he finally reaches a place uh, that he says, uh, I can't do this uh, any longer. What convinced him that he couldn't do it any longer? Can I just preach this for a moment? 
in just a few verses, and I'm going to get there in a second, uh, he, he over and over again makes the statement uh, that I alone uh, am standing. There's no other prophets uh, beside me. Uh, uh, and we often associate this language uh, in his, his disposition uh, of discouragement and fear. Uh, but you'll find him uh, making the statement all the way in chapter 18, verse 22, uh, when he comes to King Ahab, uh, when he's got boldness, uh, when he's about ready to do warfare, uh, he makes the same statement uh, and says, I'm the only one uh, that's left uh, to do this. The same mentality uh, that motivated him to fight uh, was the same mentality uh, that caused him to want to give up. It was a mindset that I'm all by myself and nobody else understands what I'm going through. Nobody else is here to stand for truth. It was an isolationist mentality. And if you're not careful the same isolation mentality that can motivate you to stand up against adversity will eventually cause you uh, to crawl under a tree uh, and tell God I want to die because uh, I'm all by myself uh, and there's nobody else that understands me uh, and there's nobody else that knows uh, what I'm going through uh, and there's nobody else uh, that can help me uh, and there's nobody else uh, that I can join come on is there anybody that knows what I'm talking about I give up. God, take my life. And listen, Jezebel never did get to him. It was an empty threat. And if you're not careful and you're listening to the wrong voices, you'll lay down mantles of anointing. You'll lay down anointing that's on your life over things that are nothing but a lie from the enemy. Jezebel doesn't have any power over you, Elijah. She can't hurt you. She can't do anything. Why would you believe this word from Jezebel? I tell you what happened to him the Bible says that as he sat under the tree that he fell asleep you want to know what happened to him he got tired how many of you remember me preaching beware of tired he got tired and he wasn't keeping his nutrition up. I'm going to get to that in a minute. In the physical, he fell asleep because he was wore out. He couldn't hardly stay awake. Did you know there is a strong connection between the physical and the spiritual? There is a reason that God created you to get rest and to get sleep because you, you, you can't think clearly when you're sleep deprived. 
I'm about to preach in a moment. Get with me tonight. I said in the physical, you can't think clearly. Your synapses is slow and things become distorted. And how many of you get irritable when you get sleepy and you're liable to say something that you shouldn't say and you make mistakes? When you get, Did you know that even when you get sleepy, your eyesight begins to decline? Your eyes, your vision, and your perception of things uh, can get out of whack uh, when you get uh, tired as it is in the natural uh, so it is uh, in the spiritual uh, when you get spiritually tired uh, you're prone to want to give up uh, you're prone to want to throw in the towel uh, you, you get prone to start saying things uh, out of your mouth come on I need a witness uh, in the building uh, he was there uh, the same guy uh, that just slew the prophets uh, was talking about dying uh, and his life being gone uh, not even 24 uh, he didn't even make it to Monday night uh, after Sunday night Holy Ghost breakthrough uh, he, he didn't even make it all the way uh, to Monday night uh, but he was saying I give up uh, I can't take it no more uh, God uh, I don't even want to live any longer fell asleep because sometimes what you need is rest. <laughs> I'm preaching to somebody about getting your fight back. Sometimes we got to learn how to take better care of ourselves and learn how to get some rest. Come on. As it is in the physical, I'm about to switch gears. So it is in the spiritual. You got to learn to put your phone down and get to bed. Why? Because you've got purpose on your life. God needs you to wake up in the morning ready to go to work in his kingdom. I know all the night owls are going to shut me off right now. All the night owls are going to ignore me right now. You got to learn how to crawl in bed and close your eyes. Put your phone down. Why? Because God's got a work for you to do. God's got his hand upon you. You can't wake up wore out and your mind isn't clear and you're stumbling around if you're going to do the work of God. Come on, I'm preaching to us. Uh, if we're going to be what God, uh, if we're going to have the energy uh, to fight the good fight, uh, you got to be rested up for the battle. Uh, if we're going to have the energy uh, to do what God has called us uh, to do. Come on, somebody. Uh, you got to discipline yourself. Get yourself to bed. It's hard to wake up and pray. When you're not getting to bed to sleep. It's hard to be the witness you're supposed to be when, you, when you're not resting. You open yourself up to sickness. Impaired judgment. In the spiritual sense. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah concerning the Holy Ghost, this is the rest that shall cause the weary to rest. Some of our problem is we're not praying in the Holy Ghost. Come on, the book of Jude says, building up your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Ghost. 
When you rest your physical body, it repairs itself. It sheds toxins. It filters the blood. Your heart rate gets lowered. And your brain starts focusing on repairing and growing the body. There's all You think you're doing nothing when you're sleeping. But your body is doing all sorts of things to keep you healthy. And it's the same way in the Holy Ghost. When you're praying in the Holy Ghost, your spiritual man is being built up. Your most holy faith is being God's erasing and filtering out all the negativity that's been in your life. When you're praying in the Holy Ghost, God is washing the impurities out of your spirit, the bad attitudes that you've had with people throughout the day, the things you said that you, come on, I can't get any help in the bill. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, your mind is being renewed and all of those impure thoughts are being washed out and being replaced with God godly thoughts uh, with truth uh, and with virtue. Uh, come on somebody. Uh, the reason we lose our fight uh, sometimes uh, is because we're not resting. Uh, and come on we're not getting the rest uh, we're supposed to be getting. If you're going to stay victorious for God not only do you need to rest your physical body but you got to have a daily walk with God praying in the Holy Ghost. Come on. You're not going to outsmart the devil. You're not going to outsmart your flesh. Come on, somebody. If you're going to win the fight and you're going to stay on your own two feet, you can't do the work of the Lord in the arm of the flesh. You've got to walk in the Holy Ghost. The second thing that happens is the Bible says there's an angel that comes and, and wakes him up, taps him on the shoulder. And when he wakes up, he says, rise and eat. And when he looked over, there was some, some bread being baked uh, on the coals and there was a cruise of water and so uh, he gets up uh, and he eats uh, the bread uh, and he drinks uh, the water uh, and he's so tired uh, that he lays down and goes to sleep uh, again and the angel doesn't stop him this is just what you need and then after a little while, he taps him on the shoulder and says, get up. It's time to eat again. Sounds like me in the middle of the night sometime. Some of y'all going to be going to the fridge at 3 o'clock in the morning. What you doing? I'm just following what the bishop preached. I, the Lord woke me up and said to go get something to eat. I, he eats. Again, and this time, listen to what the angel says. He says, rise and eat because the journey is too much for thee. For the distance you have to go, you're going to need to make sure you're eating the right foods. 
Now, I don't have time to break this all the way down, but the Bible says that men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God, uh, come on, if you're going to keep fighting, uh, you got to make sure that your your nutrition is right. Uh, you got to make sure you've got a steady diet uh, of the word of God uh, coming into uh, your uh, life. Here's the deal. It wasn't regular food. Because even the best meal might get you through the day. Some of y'all like well, the day, maybe lunch. But for where God was taking him, the Bible says when he ate that meal, that it lasted him 40 days and nights. In the spirit world, it matters what you're eating. And too many times, we're laying underneath a tree uh, when we should be winning battles uh, because we're filling our life uh, full of stuff uh, that isn't good for us. Uh, we're feeding our mind with everything uh, except what God uh, wants. Oh, I'm preaching now. Uh, you'll spend two hours a day uh, on YouTube uh, and never open your Bible uh, to read the word of the Lord. And wonder why you're carnal. And wonder why you're discouraged. Oh, I can't get an amen in the building. Wonder why you're depressed. Wonder, come on somebody. You'll spend five hours a day scrolling through Instagram and Facebook. But you ain't spent 30 minutes studying the word of God. And you wonder why you're dealing with a bad attitude. And you wonder why your perception is all messed up. And you wonder why. Oh, I came to preach uh, to somebody in the building. Uh, if you're going to get your fight back, uh, you got to start getting rest uh, and you got to start eating uh, the right stuff uh, in your life. Come on, I'm challenging some of you uh, to shut off uh, CNN uh, and Fox News uh, and put Holy Ghost Radio on every once in a while uh, and let God speak to your spirit. Uh, put down Instagram uh, and pick up your Bible. Uh, oh, I'm preaching to somebody in the building uh, that's been discouraged uh, and you've been down and out. Uh, it's time uh, to get your fight back. Elijah, there was a time you were slaying false prophets, praying down fire from heaven, outrunning chariots, and praying the rain down. And now you're sitting on a pew discouraged and non-responsive. I'm tired. How many times I went to church, but I was so tired. Your physical symptom is just a symptom of your spiritual situation. Come on, somebody. God sent me to tell you, it's time to get your fight back. 
Come on, you've got too much anointing to be sitting up under a tree discouraged. You've got too much promise on your life to be sitting up under a tree wishing you could just get out of everything. Come on, God's call is too great on your life for you to be sitting there I'm almost done. 40 days on that meal. I don't know what kind of supplements those are, but I want some. And he comes to Mount Horeb, which is really Mount Sinai. It's the same place that God gives the law to Moses. Significance because it's, it's a place that God chooses to meet with his people. God was working him. Say, come on, I need to get you in my presence. If you'll get in my presence, I've got every answer you need uh, for your life right now. And the Bible says that when he gets there, he finds a cave and he shelters in the cave. And the Bible says that, that he said unto him, it says, he said unto him, it's not capital H. I, I, I don't know, it, it, it's the voice of God, but it doesn't say it's the voice of God. And there's a reason because there's a redundancy here. I, I don't know if God was making him speak to himself as a prophet or what happened, but the word comes to him and says, why are you here? I got a question for somebody tonight. Why are you where you're at right now in your walk with God? Why are you stuck where you are right now? God didn't ask him because he didn't know the answer. He was asking so that Elijah could discover the answer. And he responds with the same word, Brother Daniel, that he said in chapter 18. He said, I alone am here as a prophet. I'm zealous for you, God, and I stood up for the truth and and they slayed all the other prophets and, and I'm the only one left. And they seek my life. There was, a, there was this perception he had that he had bought into that he caused him to isolate himself. And then I don't have time to dig all this out tonight. The Bible says that, that there was a wind that came and that, that God wasn't in the, the tornado and then the, the, the thunder came and he wasn't in the, that. And, and, and till finally the Bible says that a still small voice came and, and when a still small voice came, Elijah recognized it uh, as the word and the voice of God. And he takes his, his mantle and he wraps it around his head. And the Bible says that he steps out on the edge and the word of the Lord comes to him. Uh, again you see sometimes God has to get your attention he keep asking you the same question he's not like the public school system that's going to pass you to the next grade just to get you out you can run from the question if you want to but when you get done pouting and having a fit and tell her, I don't want to do it no more just kill God's going to make you answer the same question again he's going to make you face yourself all over again Elijah why are you here 
answer is the same answer. Stuck on the same dysfunction. And so finally God says, listen to me. Get up and get out of this cave. I don't want you to be in a place of isolation any longer. I'm tired of you crawling into caves and getting under bushes. Get out from your place of isolation and it's time to do what I called you to do. Come on, somebody. Listen to what he says in verse 15 of chapter 19. And the Lord said unto him, Go and return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint, somebody shout, anoint. Anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint. Somebody say anoint. Thou shalt anoint him to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, shalt thou anoint, somebody shout anoint, to be the prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay. And him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal and every mouth which hath not kissed him you know what God said he said I'm going to give you a strategy and a structure to get out of this place of defeat get up and start doing what I called you to do and so when Elijah climbs out of the cave he walks out with the word from God and the anointing begins to flow again the power of God begins to flow again I'm preaching to an Elijah it's time to get your fight back there's more for you to do for God You've got some kings to anoint. You've got some, you've got some promises to fulfill. You've got a call of God to do. Get up. Get up. Get up. Come on. God's about to ready to strengthen you. God's about to replenish your rest. God's about to restore you. I'm preaching to some people in the building uh, that looking at your life uh, and you think to yourself, uh, all of my best days are behind me. Uh, I used to carry a mantle. Uh, I used to have great victories, uh, but now I think it's all over with. Uh, listen, you ain't seen nothing yet. Uh, your greatest miracles, Elijah, uh, have not yet come to pass. Uh, your greatest work, Elijah, uh, is still in front of you. Uh, don't you let the threat of the enemy discourage you. Get up and get your fight back. Get up and get your zeal back. Come on, I came to preach to this house. 
in this season, in this hour, God's calling you. He's calling you out of the cave. He's calling you from out from under the tree. He's calling you out of discouragement. He's calling you out of depression. Get up and get your fight back. Get up and start praying again. Get up and start believing me again. Get up and let me use you again. Get up. Get up. Elijah, you got to get a bigger picture of the kingdom of God than self. Self-centeredness is what got you here. When you started your fight, I'm the only one. You couldn't see the bigger context of things. And eventually, it'll cause you to crawl under a tree uh, and isolate yourself. Uh, but he told him, uh, I've got 7,000 more people. Uh, you're not by yourself. Uh, that's a lie you told yourself. Uh, you believed that about you the whole time. Who am I preaching to right now? Uh, that the enemy tried to convince you. Uh, nobody understands. Uh, nobody's there for you. Uh, nobody cares about you. Uh, that's a lie from the pits of hell. Uh, God said, Elijah, uh, there's 7,000 more people uh, that didn't bow, uh, that didn't kiss the, come on somebody. It's time for you to get some rest get a meal and get back up on your feet and be what God called you to be. Come on, somebody. Don't you dare lay down your anointing because you can't get to bed at night. I'm preaching in the physical and in the spiritual. Get yourself some rest. Get yourself a good prayer meeting. Get back up on your feet. Get all the junk out of your spirit. Cut off all the streams of junk that you keep feeding your spirit with. And let the devil know if you thought I was victorious on that mountain, you ain't seen nothing. Come on, it's time to get your fight back. Yeah! Look, I want you to see something. Ninety percent of Elijah's challenge was misperception. How he was looking at things. The enemy will always do his best to get you to look at things in the wrong way. Let me give you an example. Put that slide up with that first word up there for me. What do you see? Huh? How you look at that 
determines how you respond to it. But did you know you could look at that another way? Give me the next slide. If you take those same letters and rearrange them, instead of depression, it says, I pressed on. It's the same stuff. It's just how you choose to take a look at it. So you know what? I choose not to be depressed. I choose to press on. I choose not to live full of fear, but instead full of faith. Come on, somebody. We're stepping into a new season. We're stepping into a new day. And God sent me tonight to tell you it's time to get your fight back. Somebody lift your hands and pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, I know it's Tuesday night, but there's power in this place. I know it's Tuesday night.
again. God's favor is on you. 